Well, good morning, Bridge Community Church. Before the children leave, I want to tell a cool story. So can you guys park for just one second? And look, turn around and look at our kids, man. We have awesome kids and junior hires. In just a moment, I'm going to uh, introduce our, our guest speaker. He's not really a guest because we've known Dale for many years, and, um, and he's a missionary that travels throughout the world just bringing the good news of the gospel. And, and Dale, you just don't slow down, man. We love that about you. Tomorrow or today, he's jumping on a flight and on the way to Africa. And, um, but before I introduce uh, Dale, I, I, I wanted to just share something. I, this morning, I was reading this psalm, okay, Psalm 105. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. And um, I, I had the privilege this last week of being in, in Montana. That's where all the Californians go when they get sick of California. You know, I say, hey, no. But I had a chance to be in, in Montana to be with uh, 45 young missionaries that just came back from Thailand and Cambodia. And when I say young missionaries, 18, 19 years old, uh, I think the youngest one in the group was in his 30s. But the majority of them, young missionaries, and my, my role there, my job there is to help them debrief what they experience in their, in their outreach phase of, of their training school. And these guys, uh, for two months, were sharing the gospel in, in Thailand, Cambodia, and seeing God do wondrous things. And, and this is a moment on the earth. You know, God has always been doing miraculous things. Do you believe that? that God's brewing some really cool miracles here that I can't wait to share in a couple of weeks. But, but this is, and we've heard it here prophetically, like the season of Jubilee. This is a time to rejoice. This is a time to rejoice and to believe God for greater things. And, and part of the way that, that um, these, our faith is built is it's, it spreads kind of like wildfire. You know, when God does a miracle one place, it's contagious. Like it kind of gets on you. Do you know, do you know what I mean? I, I can't really tell if you're into this or not. I'm a, I like, I need some motivation to tell this really great. Okay, good. I even held the kids here for this. Okay, so be good examples. Um, Really, there's, you can't not be excited about what I'm about to tell you because these guys came home like the 72. When they came home, like, we saw demons cast out of people. We saw miracles and healings. They were, like, so pumped for what Jesus had done. And this one story, I can't wait to tell you, a girl named Sasha, she's 18, 19-year-old, somewhere around there from the state of Washington, and she got up to share her testimony. And, you know, you, you, she grabs the microphone and says, you know, Jesus was doing amazing things in Cambodia. And she says, I, we, we meet a man who's an older man. He's a fisherman and he was walking with a pronounced limp. He was very like, you know, it was very difficult for him to walk. And she said, she said something in my heart, just this burning in my heart. I believe that God wanted to do a miracle. I knew that I knew he wanted to do a miracle. So this 18 year old girl asks this man, have you ever met Jesus? And he says, no, I'm a Buddhist. I know about Jesus. I've known about him for a while. And she said, okay, can, would you be all right if we prayed for your foot? And he said, sure. You know, they're doing this through a translator, obviously. And they, the, the group of young people gather around this man, lay hands on him and pray for his foot. And as they pray for him, the guy gets a little shiver, right? You've seen it happen when people get the shivers, right? No, no, he gets a little shiver, but this shiver was different. He said, I the man says through the translator, I just felt a shiver go through my legs. I haven't, felt, I haven't felt anything because the cut, obviously, in a developing nation, a small cut turns into infection, affects the whole leg, right? So his whole legs. He says, I had feeling in my leg for the first time in many years. Okay, so, so because she's tenacious, Sasha says, can I pray again? Sure. She prays again, and he goes, I can feel the bottom of my foot, through a translator. She says, okay, we're going for this. She prays again. Seven times they pray. The seventh time, the man begins to get up and walk around and stomp his foot and say, I have not walked like this in however many years. Isn't that amazing? And the, the, the story just goes on because, you know, these guys were in this village. And so whenever, you know, a bunch of Americans or people from different places come to a place like Cambodia, they get a name in an area. And so a month later, they see this guy and this guy's deciding now to follow Jesus. Wouldn't you think the one who healed him is the one who has the power? And that's a big deal. You know, God is moving on the earth. And, and the reason that I share that story is because um, I, I think we need to be reminded that God is winning. You know, God is winning. And sometimes we get stuck in these moments where we're not sure what's up. 
You know, we get stuck in some of these moments where we need to hear real life stories and real life examples of the power of Jesus being manifest. There was more than that one miracle story, by the way. These guys had like three, but I don't have time. I'm not going to preach today. You're going to have to come back next week if you want to hear some of that. Um, But I have the privilege of introducing Dale Van Steenis, and and Dale literally circles the globe, um, telling people about Jesus, providing relief in areas where many people wouldn't go. Um, He is a man of wisdom, and I'm not saying that just to butter you up, but through the years, um, the way that God has used you, not only in our lives here at the church, but all throughout the ministries that you um, help support and champion on. And so we're we're grateful to have you. Uh, Whenever you're in town, we snatch you up. And so thank you for coming and being willing to share on your way to the airport. So, yeah. So can you give Dale Vancinas a big round of applause and welcome him today? Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate it. Well, good morning, everybody. Kids, adios. (laughs) I'm Pastor Danny. Get out of here. Get get moving. What a joy it is to be in this church. Uh, For those of you that either don't know me or you're new around here. Uh, I I just couldn't come here without saying thank you. We've been doing what we do a very long time, and this church and its pastors back in the history were one of the first ones, and I I didn't ask uh, really for support. I was just having lunch with the pastors, and they said, you know, we just feel like God wants us to help you. I said, amen, that's good, (laughs) probably right. And they've never quit. More than 30 years, every single month. And what you also need to know is every dime that comes that's committed like that, all of that goes back out. Where does it go? Well, we just sent $50,000 to look after Turkish, uh, I'm sorry, Ukrainian people. And um, there's no home to go to. Their refugees are usually people on the way somewhere hoping they'll go home. Well, they're not going home. There's no home to go to. So it provides funds for all of that. Uh, the, the news always reports the disaster side of things, but I'm happy to tell you what I know firsthand. More Ukrainians have found Jesus in the last year than the last 50 years before because of these problems. And so we have many friends in that part of the world, worked there a long time, so we know where the money goes. We turn it around very quick. Within a couple of days, there's ways now to transfer money electronically. It gets right where it has to go. And uh, we're just grateful to be in the pipeline someplace and, and, and see it work. I was telling Pastor this morning uh, about just one little incident, and uh, a colleague in Australia called me, and, who also works in Ukraine, and said, I've given a, a satellite phone to one of our workers, but she, with two kids, her sister, two more kids, and an auntie, are at the Moldovan border. They don't know anybody. They have no place to go. Husbands at war, houses flat on the ground. No place to go. Would you talk to her, and do you know anybody? I said, I know a lot of people in Moldova. If she's there, she's going to be safe. So she crossed the border, and uh, the, the bishop of the Pentecostal Union, as a matter of fact, was in my house three days before the war started. And so I called him, and I said, here's the person's name. Here's the phone on our friendship, please look after. He moved out of his own house and moved them in. How's that? I'm glad to support people like that. Happy to do it, happy to do it. So if you want to know where your money is going, then someone called me last night from, I think from Arkansas or Georgia, and uh, they said, what are you doing for Turkey? I said, all we've done is open a fund. We can't ship containers in time to do what needs doing. How many know when all the buildings fall down, it's an emergency right then? And it takes a lot of heavy equipment, and it's a science almost by itself, and sniffer dogs and all, all kinds of paraphernalia to get people out of these messes. So sometimes, and this is one of those times, it's much better to collect cash, ship it to trusted people who are on scene or can be, buy what you need there, and get the job done. So they said, well, we're going to do that, and we're going to put money in your account electronically. And by the way, that'll be $25,000 to start with. Praise God. It's not just the amount, it's the heart behind that. So, Bridge Church, God bless you. Thank you for your help all these years. And uh, I just love it when people give money because we give it away. In fact, I even thought about giving one of my kids away when he was acting up, but my wife wouldn't let me. (laughs) And so, if you have any removable teeth with gold in it, just leave it there. Somebody will pick it up and 
We'll build a fire here and get it made in a bar form. We'll do it. Yes, tomorrow at noon, uh, God being our helper, we'll be on the way to Liberia uh, for a whole week. It's a national conference. I personally, uh, in my comfort zone is about 300 people, so you can have a lot of dialogue and talking and all of that. Well, as of Thursday at noon, it was 3,054 for the daytime and the night is open. Here's what that means, and I'm telling you this, not to pump numbers, but to ask you to sincerely pray for us from Wednesday to next Sunday, because the evenings are open. With that many Christian workers that are from all over the land, think what happens if we have an upper room thing go on. The entire nation can be touched for Jesus. How I many of that's what God promised in Psalms? I'll give you nations, whole people groups for your inheritance, not just villages. I've had to have my faith grow a little bit to, to pray bigger, to pray bigger. But I take it as solemn responsibility. Oh, God, come on that place and heal those from the rapid. I mean, they've had civil war so long. Just one of their needs as a nation uh, guess how many wheelchairs they need just for those who were amputations because of war? 60,000 wheelchairs are needed right now just to get crippled people who suffered war in chairs so they can get around. So the needs are many. How many know it's only God that heals hearts? How many know he's also able to do that? He is able. So thank you so much, Pastor Danny, your crew, whoever looks after missions. Faithful, 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 faithful. Every single month, all these years, I can hardly believe it. But thank you is not enough. You have no idea what you've released somewhere else in the world to help people. And all of you that have given, you've been part of that. So God, look at your neighbor and say, bless you too. All right? All right. Let's spend a little time in the Word here. And uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6. I want to add to pastor's stories because... I love to see God work miracles. How many know in America it'd be wonderful to have a bunch of them, like you talked about? Let me take you to Vietnam. I think it was the second time I was there. Communists still pretty strong. We are invited to a prayer meeting. Tuesday is prayer day. The prayer meeting is from 7 in the morning till 2.30 in the afternoon. That's not preaching, singing, moaning, sleeping, eating. That's a prayer meeting. And <coughs> in this distance, it was on the fourth floor of a walk-up, and we had to lay down in the car so the powers that be didn't see us, walked up. It was 105 degrees Fahrenheit, and at 100 degrees, they turned the fans off. And the room was the size of a one-car garage. There were 111 people in there. Sauna fellowship. <laughs> we're a little late because of traffic. 7.15, we arrived. It's like this. When I left there, true, I had water in my shoes. That's how hot it was. So, and I mean, Vietnamese pray wide open. It's loud. And uh, it's like the early church, you know, if you read a little history, they prayed like this, looking up, and everybody at once. That's how they pray. Wide open, and like this. Why? Expecting God to do something. And uh, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I, I was having a pity party saying, Jesus. It's 7.15. We're going to be doing this till 2.30? Yeah, man, man. <laughs> Abraham, Mary, the mother of God, help us. And, you know, Vietnamese people are, are, are not large, so they're just packed in there. And pretty soon there's some shouting clear by the back. You, you couldn't get through back there. But one of those people we'd met in the prior trip she had worked for some, I think, American Baptist missionary, Miss Mary. She was just beautiful, white hair, little moon-shaped face, mouth this big. Finally, she makes her way through the crowd, and she comes up. She says, oh, pastor, we are happy, very happy. I said, well, did you hear the shouting back? To me? Yes, we heard it. And she said, well, one of our intercessors brought her neighbor to the prayer meeting today. I said, well, wonderful. Is she an intercessor? Oh, no, pastor, she is demon-possessed. You know, had discernment about as bright as a brick. That's what, that's what I would say. Intercessor, no, she's a demon. Okay, she's a demon. I said, well, what was all the... Holy Spirit, come in power. Demon, no like Holy Spirit. Jump out window. We are so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's good. And here's the exciting part. No one was 
exercising the demon. The presence was just so thick, demons can't stand it. How do you like meetings like that? Okay. Now, right here, I mean, two extensions of this, it's wall to wall. So we're, we're sitting and bunched up. <laughs> it was so crowded. And there's a lady against the wall like this. And then it looked like a girl in front of her. And pretty soon, this, this girl begins screaming like this and sits on her backside on the floor. Pretty soon, Miss Mary gets over in there and she finds out what's going on. Oh, Pastor, did you see? Yes, it's right there. What happened? Is she demon-possessed? Oh, no, it's not demon-possessed. This girl is 20 years old, born deaf and dumb. Now she hears and can speak. We are so happy. That stuff went on in episodes all day long without having healing, exorcism, or any other kind of meetings. It just, when the presence comes, I mean, you know, that means Jesus in the room, and they expected him to do things. We came out of there so filled up with faith. I mean, we even believed God the air conditioner would work all night. I mean, it was really big stuff. I'm praying that in America we'll have an outbreak of legitimate Jesus-centered miracles. A, because we need them, and because he'll also get the glory. How'd you like to join the prayer like that? Well, Lord, we believe for that because we know you can, and we think we need it more and more every day. So that at the end of the day, the human race in this country can say, God has been among us. We give glory to God. Help us now for a few minutes in your word. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. The church said, Amen. Here we go. It's Ephesians. You know about Ephesus. Quarter of a million people. Second only to Athens. And uh, what's left over of Ephesus? There's, if you've been there, you know there's a beautiful theater that seats 24,000 people. You don't need any amplification. You can speak, everybody can hear. Amazing thing that many years ago, built 2,500 years ago. There's the remnants of the stadia where Olympic Games will run. It seats 50,000. Another big building called the Bank of Asia. Uh, the Silk Road trade routes ran through that place. But the highlight of the town in the days Paul wrote this was the Temple of Artemis. Up to 2,000 temple prostitutes, people came from all over the world to quote unquote worship. And uh, Ephesus Church, Ephesian Church, at one time had been a monument of faith and power and miracles and evangelism and apostolic work, but it had uh, cooled off, if I can use that term, and uh, it had become like the city and had strayed from its foundations. And in this book, Paul is reminding them, you didn't hear the gospel like this. You were all part of that, but you've been brought nigh by the blood of Christ to Jesus. So that's the former life, but we need to go to what Jesus is able to do. And in all the Bible, there's not a lot of things about spiritual warfare. And this chapter is really not about warfare. It's about how to be armed against it. And um, I don't know how you look at the Bible, but I tend to study it looking for the patterns of God's behavior. How is he working towards a certain group of people in what kind of time frame and what's going on there? And from that, we can extrapolate principles. Does that sound fair? So how's God working? Let's check it out. How's he doing things? How's he getting along with the folks and them with him? And then from that, we draw principles. So um, I've gone to a few conferences. I'm still not over a couple of them where they were taking control of heaven, hell, and home and uh, declaring and decreeing, and at the end of all of it, not, much, not very much happened. I don't know what all the decrees and declaring was doing against the devil and the stronghold of this and murder and violence, and, and yet murders went up in one town 33% after they did all of that. Maybe they should have let alone. So I, I personally am not too much worried about the devil, even though I know he's real, and he, he does a lot of nasty stuff. He is not in charge of the universe. And Paul said to this church, don't give him an opportunity. In fact, he used the Greek word topos, territory, and he's writing to a born-again, tongue-talking, spirit-filled bunch of folks. Now, he said that because we have the initiative about what comes and goes in our life, and if you don't want the devil messing with you, don't invite him in. Don't give him room, okay? So here's some of his advice to this church that's in this 
metropolitan wicked area. 6 of Ephesians, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So you can stand firm against the schemes of the... And schemes is a word that should be translated or could be translated strategic plans. It's not just one shot, one attack. Satan has a whole strategy to keep us ticked off, to keep us defeated, to uh, push our buttons. How many think he knows what to say and do to you to make you mad? Well, he does, okay? So we need an armor of God to handle that. Verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. By the way, Ephesians is the only place in the Bible where that term, in the heavenly places, is used. It says that's where Jesus lives, and it says we're seated with him there. And guess who else is occupying the space? This guy. Isn't that unique? Think about it. Therefore, take up the full armor of God. You may be able to stand and resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Verse 14, stand firm, therefore. How many think Paul's clear? And he's saying what? Stand. Everybody say it. Stand. That's it. No matter what's going on, stand firm. Having girded your loins with the truth. I think Deuteronomy talking to Israel said, Build walls of doctrine around yourself. Same idea. Cover yourself round about the word will protect you. It's true, isn't it? Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod, that's a nice old English word, which means put your shoes on, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let me pause right there. I'm going to read a little more. When I was about 10 years old, I'm sitting just about where pastor is on the front row of my home church. Two ladies who were blood kin, they were sisters, had been missionaries in Asia during World War II and wound up in a Japanese internment camp for four years. At the end of that, there was no food. and They were treated terribly. They were just skin and bone, just wracked with pain. There was nothing to eat but the grass around the fence line. And they literally were on their hands and knees in a foggy, rainy morning, couldn't see 50 feet out of the place, eating grass. And there was a bunch of noise and trucks rumbling on the road next to the place. And finally at the fence where they were looking down, there was a shiny pair of boots stuck to a GI. They were free. And he pulled the fence apart and cut some of it with pliers and told them to get up. And she said, this missionary lady said, we couldn't get up. We were too weak. We couldn't stand. Instead, my sister and I grabbed the bottom of their legs and we kissed their boots. How beautiful are those who bring peace. Now there's a little more here. In addition, take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. What is a flaming missile? I suspect... They are suggestions, suggestions, and thoughts. I think so. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and then pray. Pray always. And Paul said, then pray for me. Two things to hold, four things to wear. So let's start with the shoes. Let's start with the shoes. They really weren't shoes. They were sandals. How many have ever seen a pair of golf shoes? A good pair will have some cleats on the bottom, so when you're getting ready to swing, you can stand and not slide. Because, you you know, there's some physical law here, and your center of gravity is going to move. If you don't swing that thing right, you can hit yourself in the behind or the side of the head and wonder what happened. Come on, confess. Some of you have almost... <laughs> or you hit a pole and the thing come back and hit you. The purpose of those cleats is to keep you to stand. That's the kind of shoe Paul's talking about was worn by Roman soldiers. So, and the purpose of feet is to get you someplace. So listen, the protection for the parts of the body, the human body that are important. How many know when your feet are sore, you're sore all over? 
Isn't that true? So God says in his word, God's people are not going to war, but to stand firm, you have to be anchored so you don't slip and fall. And so get your feet ready to go someplace for Jesus. I love these stories about missions because there's a go in the Bible that hasn't ended. It's still there. I'm blessed to be one of those that still go places. I'm cut back this year. It'll only be about 150,000 miles. So, but we, we're, able, we're able to go. We're able to go. That's the nature of the Bible. Go to the highways and byways. We sort of tur- turn that on our head in America, on its head, and we want people to come to a service like this. Well, they will if we go where they are. That was a good time to say amen. Come on, Bridge. Give it up once in a while. You know, in our, in our church, a whole bunch of people just got saved. And that's wonderful. God's happy. They're happy. But they're happy. They still say amen. So I'm not sure if you're saved or not, so let me know, okay? Just <laughs> keep that joy thing going there. Shoes. The next part is a leather girdle. It protects the part of the body where life is regenerated. How many know God's the author, author of life? In the country of Mali, way, it's a long country, way up in the Sahara, clear down to the Ivory Coast. Way down there by the Ivory Coast is a tribe that a missionary friend found, 19,000 people, not one known Christian ever in that group. He said, could we partner up? Sure, let's find out what to do. So we went to the government, because indigenous people, you need some permissions and things. (laughs) And the government said, you want to work among those people? You are welcome. Subscript, not us, but if you want to go, do it. So we started, what to do? When we, got, when we got out there, it was 18 miles off the road, which was gravel the last 30 miles. Not the road, but the sand track after that 18 miles with a Land Rover, <laughs> hooking up trees to get us out of the ditch and all that stuff. Uh, probably the, one of the poorest places I've ever been. Everybody's sick. Kids this big, swollen belly, bellies, orange hair, eyes sunk in their head, the water just about the color of the wood in the pews. Everybody's sick. Well, I bought up a guy from uh, South Africa to help us, an agronomist, look around. He's an expert what to do. By the way, his wife is great-granddaughter to Smith Wigglesworth. Don't ask her to pray over your meal if you don't want to eat cold food. (laughs) When you ask her to pray, that's what she will do. (laughs) Really good. And... uh, the guy's name is Abe Defending, and he, he, he wears a do-rag. He looks like Dr. Strangelove, and he's just wonderful. Finally, after five days, he says, Doc, I got it. I got it. What do we got? I know what to do here. People don't have protein. This is a protein problem. We don't have to amend the soil. We just need a few little things. So how many know you need sometimes godly solutions very much involve physical something? Okay. What's the answer? Lima beans. Not, not medicine, beans, lima beans. So now, fast forward. We made an agreement with them, and prophetically speaking, uh, they have a really good moolah there. He's, he's, uh, he's well-trained. This missionary somehow learned the dialect of those people. A white guy in that tribe out there, there's not 12 people on earth speak that dialect. He speaks it. And he speaks Hasnerian Arabic in which this man was trained. How many think the right guy in the right place? God does everything good. So we made this arrangement, made, a, made kind of a joint venture thing. And now we have a 41-acre bean field. No swollen kids, no orange hair, no sunk eyes. If there's a belly, somebody's pregnant. It wouldn't be Billy. I mean, it's somebody's, all right, that's it. And uh, so we sell, sell half, they sell half, the other half feeds everybody. And they wanted a school, okay? So we bought them a good old farm building. You bolt the thing together. It's up now they have a school. And we provided teachers for them, all born-again, spirit-filled people. Let me tell you what happened. And from here to, the, to Cambridge Street, you couldn't grow a carrot that big. Would you like to see our bean field? It bears five times before it goes dormant, like this. It's like there's a hand underneath. I I reckon there really is, pushing that. And so 
We moved two families from the town out there to have uh, agricultural experience, but born again, move into a Muslim place. Now, Muslim law says that if an infidel, a non-believer in Islamic matters, lives among us, they must pay dimni. Dimni is a protection tax that you and I would pay to Muslims to protect us from them. Makes me mad. I was going to use another word, but I'm in church. So I say to the translator, you say exactly what I say and don't change it one bit. I looked at the mullah and I said, for seven hours we've been out here in this 121 degree heat, but what I'm about to say to you makes or breaks the deal. We will not pay one shilling of dimly. Bam, the dust goes up. We will not pay, boom, he hits the... And the mullahs, and here's why. We're sending people here to feed your babies and to make you well. You're going to put a tax on a gift from God. Oh, no, no dimity, no dimity. He's ranting and raving, no dimity. Okay, we have a deal. Start planting beans. Clean the land. 41 acres of beans. Clear the land. The beans are coming. Everything else is red. It's like Oklahoma. It's red and dirt. Then there's this piece of Ireland right in the middle of it, green. They can't believe it. All the men are out there working. So here's how it goes. Every morning, 6 o'clock, men come. They're going to work out there. So these agricultural, they're really evangelists, the plant stuff. Here's how you get the beans to grow. Stretch your hands out. Repeat after me. Jesus Christ, the giver of all life, caused these beans to grow. Next day, Jesus Christ, giver of all life, caused the beans to grow. <clears throat> After about three months, and now they're up full, our missionary people, all right, not one of you. Oh, no, no, you pray. No, 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 no. He says, not my beans. They're ours. You're responsible. I'll give you the words. Guy next to him is one of the elders, Muslim man. says, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Giver of all life caused the beans to grow. About two weeks, and then this happened. Six o'clock in the morning. Oh, Jesus Christ. And he takes off and goes to his hut, shaking. He comes back in the afternoon and says to the missionary, something hit me on my head. I couldn't stop shaking. I've been, and he's still trembling. And he said, missionary, I feel dirty. I feel evil. The missionary said, you are. <laughs> How can I stop this? You must pray to Jesus. To, okay, okay. First convert praying over the bean fields has an interaction with Jesus. Now there's 27 men that are born again studying the Bible from 6 to 7 in the morning and from 7 to 8 the mullah because prophetically he's our pastor to be. Somebody say Amen. The whole place has changed. Changed. So life has to be reproduced. And for that part of the body that reproduces life, there's protection. And then that breastplate, what does it protect? The heart and lungs, how many know we're not going anywhere with those functioning unless they're functioning well? The heart, center of affection, decision-making, passion, lots of things out of the abundance of the heart. So it, there's the issues of life, lungs without breath, we can't, so there's protection for that. Plus, do the Old Testament study on the high priest wearing that breastplate, stones for all the tribe. What does all that mean? It's incredibly rich protection. Then a helmet. I agree with Bishop Jakes on this entirely. I think our brain is probably the most important, sensitive, needed organ in all of our body above all else because so many things can happen there. Covered with a helmet. Okay, so our feet can stand sure. The reproductive parts of our body is protected. Heart and lung, nothing on the back because we're not backing up for anything. There's nothing back there. God said, I'm your rare reward. Said in plain English, got your back. Got you, got you. We're not going back there. Is that right? All right. So the Israel had a big problem with that because God said, I would have taken you the easy way. God said that. But I took you on the long road about around by the Red Sea, and here's why. Lest 
When you saw war, you would turn around and go back to Egypt. You couldn't take it. You weren't ready to fight. So I had to take you the long way to be sure you're going to make it. Now, that's the equipping God puts on us. What a wonderful thing, especially to protect our minds. You remember the incident, you know, Moses takes off. Uh, he's somewhere wandering over. We still haven't found him. You'd, you'd think the guy would have a proper burial and at least let us come by and cry a while, but he didn't. He just, adios, and he's gone. The whole nation mourns for a month. You remember that? Whole nation for a whole month. And then God said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, come on, God. We've just had a whole month of weeping and wailing and everything else. And to Joshua, don't be afraid. Now I'm going to promote you. Moses delivered, and you're going to reinstall. Who was needed? Both were needed in their season and in their time. Even churches like this one. I mean, I've been with you long enough to know there's been seasons in this house. And how many know there'll be some more? And part of the key of that is discerning which way the wind is blowing and what moment we're in. You know, James 5 is, is the short form of the story of Elijah and the drought thing. Pretty good praying. Shut the rain off for three and a half years. Pretty amazing, right? Hmm? Didn't rain. Amazing guy. And the Bible says he prayed again. But this time a little different. He had a servant watching for the answer. One time, two times, three times. Two big frustrations among us. One is prayers that aren't answered yet. And prophecies you know are right and not fulfilled yet. I've, been, I, I've tried to fulfill a few of those when I heard good ones. It didn't work. It was a big, a big disaster. See? God's number one prophet is doing the praying. The guy's watching. What does the number one prophet get? A cloud this big. Here's a principle of the kingdom that'll change your life. When God answers your biggest prayer, it probably will be inconspicuous at first. And if you miss seeing in the spirit realm enough water in that cloud to green the whole Middle East, you'd have missed the day of visitation. But it didn't look like that. It never does. Because we pray out of need, God responds out of eternity. It's a different field for him. He's trying to add to us long perspective. About what, but what Elijah had those discerning eyes. And so what did he say to this? Tell the king his chariot's going to be a boat. Get his bad self to town. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. That's faith talking, isn't it? So here's how we're equipped. How many know that the, stand, the word stand or stand firm is used over and over and over again here? And then this description. What do we have in our hands? A sword, but like the vision of Jesus in Revelation, it's the word of God. Got to have our minds soaked in it. Think about it. Pray it. Read it out loud. All of that. Joshua, meditate on the law of God. How long? Day and night. Your mind will be in peace. Good, good idea, isn't it? Fix that, fix that, fix that. So all of this equipment is there to protect us from warfare, from all this stuff that's listed here at the top, dominions and rulers and all these people. We're not to fear because we have on all that's required and that shield of faith to stop those thoughts because one of the strongest works of the enemy, and I don't want to give him any space here today that's not required just to get some understanding. Apart from that, I don't want to know, know, know anything about him. One of the favorite tricks of the enemy is to get near our ears with negative talk about the condition of our lives. And we'll dig up old sins somewhere. How many know even God has forgotten about them? But he hasn't. You're not good enough. If people ever knew what you really, how many old ladies you cut off in traffic with your 18-wheeler. And, it, just, and it, it campaigns. That's the word that's in your strategies. You, you're never going to have enough money. It won't happen for you. You're this. You're from the wrong race, wrong side of any track. You, 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 you. Until... How many know when you hear a lie long enough, there's a tendency to start being mindful? 
To Eve, he said, if, you know, Eve, listen, if you eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God's going to slap your hands here. You'll be just like him. Brothers and sisters, here's the lie. She already was. She already was in the image. But she believed it. That's why I have a hard time with Eve's and Adam's. Mucked up the whole human race. Don't call any child that. It's awful to hang that on. You predestined them to be a alien with a name like that. So for the people of God, this book's written of Jesus-loving folks, this story, there's protection for us, which means we don't have to long tolerate that voice. Because if it's the Holy Spirit, you're going to hear things like this. You're the apple of my eye. You're to the praise of the glory of, of my grace. You're my elect lady. How many that sound comes out of heaven? And you, you, you feel secure. You feel built up. So Isaiah 54, 17, everybody knows this. Fred Hammond's got a great rendition of it musically. No weapon, come on, what's the rest of it? Formed against thee shall. That's line number one out of four. That's the one we like. But the next line says this. You shall rebuke every voice that rises up against you in judgment or accusation. Now, look, folks, God has assignments on the human side of things, and then he has a whole job description of stuff he does. How many know when he gives the human race an assignment, he fully expects we're going to do it? Say it again, Dale. He expects, he expects us to do what he said we can do. And what he says is a declaration about spiritual weaponry will not prosper against us. Well, how does it not prosper against us? What's the process? Who's you? Look, I live in Texas now, and I haven't quite learned Texan yet. Y'all <laughs> can mean pastor right here, or it can mean all of us. Or y'alls, that's the room full. Or if you really want to be affectionate, usums. How do you spell stuff like that? And then there's old Texans. Uh, years ago, we moved to Texas, and just a couple weeks after, there was a tornado north of us. And uh, we only had, I mean, we just started church about two months, I guess. We had about 100 folks. I said, folks, we can't have church here. Just up the road, 55 homes demolished. Half of the down, a third of the downtown's blown away. There's a big U-Haul truck behind the church. Please go shopping. An hour and a half, be back. We're going to load it up. We're going up there and give everything. And that, wonderful. It's a very uh, energetic response. So we're going to try to find the Red Cross, and we're looking around because you know what a tornado looks It's a mess. There's a car up a tree. I mean, it's just a mess, a terrible mess. So we saw, I saw this guy stand there with bib overalls with a great big Red Cross button on like this, great big bib overalls stand there like this, standing looking at this. Well, I jumped out of the truck, and I, I mean, it took my breath away, the mess. And I just was standing beside, I thought, oh my goodness, this is awful. Old line Texan. Yep. Bit of a breeze went through here last night. <laughs> 55 houses and a third of the downtown. A bit of a breeze went through here. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm trying to learn. But how many know when the Bible says you, he means us? Y'all, us, us, us. You must rebuke. What is a rebuke? It's a verbal command to the thing that offends us to stop offending us. Then the third line says this. The Lord says, this is the inheritance or heritage of the Lord's children. What is an inheritance? It's an asset that is transferred legally to a new owner. It has value. It's a thing of value. And it gets transferred to a new owner. Is that not true? Antiques, money, shares, properties, all of that. It gets transferred to someone else. And God said on the fourth line, I'm going to validate that. I'm the notary stamp on that law. How do you like that? So he lets us in on this. Satan, get your bad self out of my business, out of my family, out of my health out of my relationships, and don't come back here. 
And he's going to want to say it again, and you say it again, because James says this, humble yourself before God and resist the devil. Resist him, and he absolutely, for sure, will take off. The only place I want to see Satan is with a four-foot exit sign on his red behind headed away from me. God said, you do that. You do the talking, and there will be relief. I just want to set this in, uh, in one context, and then we'll tidy this up. And for those of you that are struggling with, you, you want to pray, you want advance in your life, you want to know more uh, rhema information about Jesus, but something's always nagging on you. This is a good morning because we're going to practice what the Bible encourages us to do here. We're going to say some things to the enemy today. Here's why. We have the legal spiritual right to do it, and God says, I'm the enforcer. Oh, praise the Lord. There's about 12 people have faith. <laughs> can I get some faith over here? Come on, can I get some? <laughs> How many know we've just read what the Bible says about our prerogatives here? I'm glad to know that because I've, I've been accused sometimes. How many... Now, put your hands up. Or don't, I don't want to talk about lying here today. Come on. That's right. It's this, especially before big events, big stuff happening overseas, all, all kinds of stuff happens. It's not going to happen. You're not going there. You're not going to be able to pay for it. Finally, when I, when I start hearing that, as quick as I see how false that is, Satan, you've been around this neighborhood before. Uh, there's a place called hell that's your happy home. You can go there. <laughs> but you can't live here. As Paul said, don't give him room, which means intentionally disaccommodate it. No. He has no prerogative in our life, in my house, or anything pertaining to me or you, because you are born again in this room today because of the blood of Jesus. That draws the line. He's not coming over that. Are you glad? Say amen. amen. Resist the devil. Resist him. Resist him. In our church, just a lady sits right about where Pastor is. She's a widow. And this story is about, I don't know, maybe three, four years old now. But uh, I was rotating with our pastor at his request, talking about biblical economics, about how God will provide and what our responsibility is, those kinds of things. And she, it was my time to share. So she called me down there, and she said, listen, uh, Four and a half years ago, my husband died, and $5,000 a month went out of our life. And he was quite a bit older than me, and when he took the job where he worked, there was no succession laws in the pension plan, so when he died, all the money went. I got small lump sum, but... That. So as of right now, I'm $702 a month short, just paying my bills. And I'm out. I've spent all the savings. She said, I want to tithe. I want to give to God. We're forever doing that. But my husband died. And she said, so I want help. I want God to break. It's like a curse. I said, that's exactly what it is. And I said, you know what? The Bible has got a special place for widows. Because a lot of times they wind up on fixed income. How do you handle inflation like it is? Okay. She said, <laughs> she said, I just want to give the devil a whack. <laughs> I said, I don't know what that means, but it sounds bad. <laughs> I said, I think you're really serious. She said, I am serious. What do I have to do to break this? I said, well, madam, this issue is not about your purse. It's about trust. Whose report will you believe? I'm believing the Lord. I said, okay. You got your checkbook? She said, yes. I said, I'm going to walk off here. I don't want to know anything about your personal business. Whatever your tithe is, write the check, and the church administrators, go give it to them. And when you're done, come back. I want to talk to you. She did it. That's the first sign something good's going to happen. We sat back down. I said, now here's the next thing. You just started a war. Because Satan, before you get your hands on your steering wheel, is going to attack your mind and tell you, you can't pay your power bill. It's coming Wednesday. How would you know that? I said, I didn't, but okay, it's coming Wednesday. 
And your heart's going to say, you could have bought a dozen things with that money. He's lying to you. I'm sorry, we can't win this battle for you because it's inside you. That's where it is. But I, I, I tell you, when you go home today, he's going to be all over you telling you how dumb you are, how crazy, and to a church. Oh, my God, what are they going to do with the money? And you know that power bill's coming. She said, glory to God, I'll do it. I said, you find a place to rock and not sleep or walk up and down. If you fall over and you have a knot in your head, you have a memorial mark, what happened? She said, I'll do it. And I said, it may be some hours, but the scripture says, rebuke him. Resist him. He will flee. How many know that's a he will? Not maybe, he will. She prayed in the spirit till 4.30 in the afternoon. And she said, all of a sudden, I just broke out in singing. I got up and did a little jig in my house and said, I've got the victory. And a lot less money because I gave it to church. That's Sunday. But she won. Old time people used to say, we prayed through. I still like that phrase. It means we won the battle and there's either evidence right now in the moment or we have a confirmation from the Bible. It's handled heaven. It's going to be all right. On Wednesday, the mail came to her house a lot, and the power bill, $80.07. But there was a letter in the mail from an insurance company of her past husband, but addressed to her. And it's, she had it. It said, dear missus, we audit all of our policies every five years, and we have audited the 57,000 policies in the Gulf Zone of our company, and there were eight people who were billed wrongly over a number of years because of wrong piece of software. Sorry to say, your husband was one of those people, so the attached check is the return of that overage and interest on it for the last eight and a half years, $1,984. She said, so now I'm back. I hadn't moved to Texas yet, but I'm back now about three months later. She comes down there waving a check. It was $25. She said, glory to God, Brother Dale, this is for y'all. I said, now I'm going to take it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it was for $25. Well, it wasn't for me personally, but how many know for her to give us wonderful? Because she was so happy. She said, honey, just look at my checkbook. I have never had so much money. $5,545 balance in that check. I said, you're buying lunch, girl. You, we are going out for <laughs> barbecue today. I said, what's happened? She tells me about that check. She said, I knew then, Sunday afternoon three months ago, or the, the week before, we've won something. We've won something. Her income is still the same. She needed new tires for a car. They were bald. Goes where her husband forever had bought in tires. The owner said, you know what? Every time, he's not a Christian. Every time your husband came here for mechanical or tires, he prayed for me. One time, no one knew, not even my wife. This business was ready to close. He prayed for me. All of a sudden, there's people lined up down the street. He said, bring that car in here. You need tires. Look at the terrible things. $800 worth of brand new tires. said, may I say God bless you? How many know God will make a way? So for her, that voice was, you're going broke. You're going to have to sell your house where you want to live till you pass. You're, going to have, you're, you're not going to make it. There's not enough money. While all those things were facts, God is not disturbed by the facts. He's a supernatural God, and his thoughts are higher and better, always higher and better. I'm telling you, we don't have to live under perpetual oppression. Perpetual suggestions were failures, less than, never will, something. No, no. God's put some laws in his kingdom. You... I, naming people, you need to stand up and open your mouths. Disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, say something. How do you get saved? You have to confess, believe in your heart and confess with your How are we infilled with the Spirit? Here, some, 
So today, I'm going to close with this, and Pastor will, will finish the end of the service how he feels led. But I think this all together in a moment, I'm going to let you stand. But I'm going to ask you to think through what's going on with you right now. Yeah, you can stand. Everybody just stand. What's going on with you right now? Don't want to speak about your wife or some friend. I want you to think about your life. Because I came here, I prayed intensively about this meeting. This is not just fun. It's part of our toolbox as believers to live above the taunting accusation of our enemy. We're not to be pulled down into the mire of his mess. When something comes across my mind, I want to have a J right in the front of it. I don't mean Judas. I mean Jesus. I want something from him on my mind. Huh? So identify, locate whatever it is you've been hearing. And if you're not a praying tongues, that's part of your life. Do it. If it's personal, pray quietly. You don't have to yell or scream at all. God knows a, a whisper. I think the best thing he even reveals is, 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 is very, very soft, very soft. But I think we need to get a win here in the name of Jesus for God's folks. And to get that, we have to say something. How many follow what we say? So we're going to start praying here in a moment. And you just say right directly to him, Satan, uh, I'm identifying you today. You bother me. And Jesus has died for me so that you don't have a right to do that. We cancel your work against our home, against confusion in the house, against leanness financially, against disease, or whatever. You fill in the blank. How many is clear on what we need to do? Everybody? Okay, so don't feel, if you're a visitor, welcome in. You do what you need to do. All right, so I'm going to lead in prayer, and then you say to God, and then issue that order out of your mouth for what you want God to do. So, Father, I bless this house today in the glorious, victorious name of Jesus. And I pray for your people right now that we'll win a score over the enemy of our lives that will shift something forward. We'll not listen to the voice that harangues and accuses and judges, but we'll listen to the voice that loves on us and and gently corrects us and edifies us. All right, church, let's talk to God and issue those rebukes. We rebuke the devil right now. Come on, everybody. We, we speak against satanic work. No weapon, that's your word, God. We stand right on it today. Won't prosper. It, we're not giving it room in our lives, and we're saying to the one speaking, away from us. Get away from us. Hassle us no more. The blood of Jesus is against you. The name of Jesus is against you. The resurrection of Jesus is against you. And we stand on what God said and the authority of his word. Come on, talk, to, talk that way, just a, just a couple of minutes. Thank you for it, Lord. I'm going to thank you that in succeeding services, there will be testimonies of God's victory in God's people. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you that we are children of Jesus Christ. And your ordination over us is to live free and above the accuser's voice. Thank you for it. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What there is is affirmation that we're to the praise of the glory of your grace. I thank you today for triumph, victory, peace, grace, releases of your people in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's just give a big praise to God. Come on. Dale, thank you so much. And, and as we end our service, um, I, I find like it's interesting, you know, how our worship kind of coincides with our messages. And, and, and I think, Joe, I think you prepared the worship this week. And we started with this declaration, you know, not today, right? The devil doesn't get a place in your mind. He doesn't get a place in your heart. He doesn't get to, to be the loudest voice in your head. That, that belongs to Jesus. And Dale, you said it so well, so I'm not going to preach on top of what you preach. But, but we want to end with that. We want to end with that declaration um, that our eyes are on Jesus and that we will listen to his voice and his voice alone. Amen? Amen. Would you guys lead us in that? Trouble won't throw me, won't break me, won't scare me no more. 
was faithless when it came for my heart. Cause I've got a song that will never die. I know you love is the reason why. I'll sing the night into the morning. I'll sing the fear into your praise. I'll sing my song. bless you and walk in the victory that's yours in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we'll see you next week. God bless you.